the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. A watchman's job was to stand on the wall of the city and watch for any approaching danger. And when they saw danger approaching, they warned the people in the city. But he's saying the watchmen of the nation are blind. What good is a blind watchman? What's a blind watchman going to see? Nothing. What the Lord is saying here is that judgment is on its way, but they don't see it to warn the people. They're blind to it. They have no idea what is about to come down upon their nation. Pastor Dan talks today about how ill-prepared we are as people of the Lord. Has anyone ever warned you of something, but you didn't take their words to heart? It's only in hindsight you see the wisdom of their words and how they tried to help. Israel was much the same with the Lord. Though they had the information, they became lazy, not seeking God, not fixing themselves for His coming. We can learn so many lessons from others' mistakes. Every day brings us closer to Christ's return, and every day we should be striving to be more like Him. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 56 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jesus quoted Isaiah 56, verse 7, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when he cleansed the temple in Jerusalem the second time. He cleansed it twice, once at the beginning of his ministry, and then he cleansed the temple a second time, right before his crucifixion, at the end of his ministry here on the earth, before he was crucified and resurrected. And he quotes this verse when he cleanses the temple. And I want to look at that passage together. So if you turn over to Mark chapter 11 in the New Testament. Again, this is, this is just before the crucifixion. This is the last time Jesus is in, was in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 15, Mark eleven fifteen. So they, the disciples and Jesus, came to Jerusalem. And then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and notice and the seats of those who sold doves. The doves were kept in cages. He didn't overturn the tables that had the doves on them. He overturned the seats of those who were selling the doves. He's angry. You know, the Bible says be angry, but sin not. Jesus is angry here. It's righteous indignation, but he's not out of control in his anger. He's not in a rage. He still has control. And he can distinguish between the table that has the doves and the seats of those who sold the doves. He flips over the seats of those who sold the doves. 
and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. People used the temple as a shortcut to get from one side of town to the other, and he wouldn't let them do that. And I think this tells us a lot about Jesus Christ. You know, we tend to picture Jesus as this very meek, kind of, you know, emaciated person. But here's a guy who walks into a temple and he tells people, you can't come through here anymore. And people listen to him and they stop and they turn around and go the other way. And he tells people, get this stuff out of here. And they listen to him and they get that stuff out of there. So I think that tells us a little bit about Jesus's demeanor and maybe his physical presence as well. Nobody wanted to mess with him. He would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, is it not written? Look, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. And so here he quotes from Isaiah 56. Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. Now. What they had there in the temple is, uh, you know, people would travel to Jerusalem from from all over the world to go to that temple to worship, to celebrate the different feasts. And most of them wouldn't bring an offering with them. In fact, by the days of Jesus, nobody really brought an offering with them. You'd buy it there at the temple. So they had a place where you could purchase a sacrifice, uh, but you couldn't use your Roman currency. You had to use a, a temple currency. So you had to exchange your Roman currency to get temple currency. Then you could make an offering with it. Or you could go buy a sacrifice there and take it into the temple, a lamb or an ox or doves to make an offering to the Lord. And so they had this marketplace there, essentially, uh, where you could buy an animal for sacrifice. And the high priest, he was the one who ran this marketplace there at the temple. He was the one making all the money. Off of it. Uh, in fact, Josephus, uh, when he wrote about uh, Ananias, the high priest, he described Ananias, the high priest, as a great hoarder of money. Uh, so this guy's getting rich off of the temple and all of these people that are coming to the temple to worship. Uh, they had an area in the temple called the Royal Stoa, which is where they sold uh, the animals and where they exchanged the currency. But during the great feast, the three feasts, the mandatory feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, obviously a lot more people would come to Jerusalem for those feasts. And so they would have a a lot more sacrifices to sell. And so what they decided to do is they moved this market out of the royal stoa and they set it up in the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles would come to worship. So here you have the court of the Gentiles on each side there. This building on the left with kind of the red roof, uh, that's the royal stoa. That's where the marketplace was. The royal stoa is not part of the temple. And so what they did is they started moving the selling of the animals and the money changers out of the royal stoa, out of that red roofed building, and they've placed it in the court of the Gentiles. And I think, you know, probably in your mind, I know in my mind, when I think about them selling animals for sacrifice, maybe you think of like, You know, the little pins like they have at the petting zoo with, you know, like three or four little sheep in there or something like that. One uh, commentary I read said uh, they brought in 3,000 head of livestock at a time for sacrifice. So what did they do? They filled the court of the Gentiles with this marketplace now where the Gentiles, the foreigners, were supposed to come 
and seek the Lord. They, they filled it now with this marketplace, this area that was supposed to be designated as sacred space, a place uh, that you would, you know, have reverence for God. And now they, they turn it into like Walmart on Black Friday, right? And it's just filled with people. It's noisy. It's crowded. It's smelly. You get 3,000 animals in there. And it's going to smell. They're going to make a mess. You've got oxen. You've got sheep. And it's like this crazy marketplace now. And the foreigner who comes now to the temple, he doesn't have a place to go. They took his space. That's why Jesus, when he cleanses the temple, that's why he quotes Isaiah 56, 7, and says that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. You're no longer providing a place for the foreigner to come. You're no longer providing a place for the Gentile to come and seek the Lord. You've put your market there now. You've kind of taken over his space. You've left him with nowhere to come and, and, and seek the Lord. So going back to Isaiah 56, going on now, verse 8. The Lord God who gathered the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him, speaking of the Gentiles. He's not only going to gather the outcasts of Israel, the Jews, he's also going to gather the Gentiles to him. Jesus talked about this, that he has other sheep from other flocks that he's going to bring and make one flock with Jews and Gentiles. That one flock's the church with one shepherd, he said. Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd. Now in verse 9, he calls, the Lord calls the beasts of the field to come and feed on the corpses of his enemies. All you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. Verse 10, now he speaks, uh, he speaks of the unfaithful leaders of Judah. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. He calls the leaders of, of Judah, he calls them watchmen, but he says that they're blind watchmen. A watchman's job was to stand on the wall of the city and watch for any approaching danger. And when they saw danger approaching, they warned the people in the city. But he's saying the watchmen of the nation are blind. What good is a blind watchman? What's a blind watchman going to see? Nothing. What the Lord is saying here is that judgment is on its way, but they don't see it to warn the people. They're blind to it. They have no idea what is about to come down upon their nation. He calls the leaders of Judah dumb dogs who are asleep instead of guarding the house. My dad, he always had uh, St. Bernard's and he had this one St. Bernard. It was his it was his next to last dog. And this St. Bernard, when it got older, man, it was this huge dog and it would just sleep all day long. And you could walk into his house like unannounced, just open the front door and walk in. And that dog would like lift its head up and like look over at you and then lay its head right back down. Didn't matter who it was that walked in the house. I remember like strangers walking in the house. Dog wouldn't budge. It was just this lazy dog that slept all the time. And, and here he says the leaders of Judah are like, Dumb, lazy dogs who just sleep all the time. And they, they give no warning of the danger that is approaching. They aren't, they aren't protecting God's people like they should be. 
You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. In verse 11, he compares the leaders of Judah to incompetent shepherds. He says, yes, they are greedy dogs which never have enough, and they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. Again, speaking of the leaders of Judah, they're all looking out for their own way, their own gain, from his own territory. He calls them shepherds. He says shepherds who don't understand, ignorant shepherds. A shepherd has to be really smart to be a shepherd. Uh, You know, we we might think, well, how hard can it be? You're just kind of leading sheep around. And as long as there's grass, like, can't be that hard. You know, it takes a a lot of intelligence to be a shepherd. A shepherd has to know where to find food. They got to find the right food. Shepherd needs to know where to find water. Shepherd needs to know where he can allow his sheep to rest, uh, where he can find shade for his sheep. Shepherd needs to know what dangers are uh, possibly coming for the sheep. In Israel, the shepherds graze their sheep in the wilderness area, which is right on the edge of the desert. If it rains up in the mountains, the Judean mountains, miles away, that rain can cause a flash flood down in the wilderness. And so the shepherd needs to know what the weather is up in the mountains, miles and miles away from him, because it potentially could become a flash flood where he is in the wilderness. So the shepherd's got to be on it all the time and, and understand and know a lot of things to keep the sheep healthy and safe. And here the, the Lord says that the leaders are, of the nation are like shepherds who have no understanding, shepherds who don't know what they're doing, and they're endangering God's people. In Zechariah, the Lord calls them worthless shepherds. Look what he says here in verse 12. Again, speaking about the leaders of the nation. Come, one says, I will bring wine, and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. The leaders of the nation were drunks. Isaiah 28, 7 says, Israel is led by drunks. God gave the nation drunks to lead them. And this was part of God's judgment against the nation of Israel and Judah. It was his judgment to give them drunks to lead the nation. You guys just, they just stay drunk all the time. How can they possibly lead the nation if they're just getting drunk all the time? By the way, do you know what city has the highest percentage of heavy drinkers and binge drinkers in the United States? I'll give you one guess. Washington, D.C. Yeah, I have a couple headlines for you. 
Washington, D.C. has the highest percentage of heavy drinkers in our nation and the highest percentage of binge drinkers. Heavy drinker, by the way, is someone who has two or two or more drinks a day. Washington, D.C., highest percentage of heavy drinkers, highest percentage of binge drinkers in the nation. It ranks second for most gallons of alcohol consumed in the U.S. per person, our nation's capital. And here we see in the Old Testament that when God was bringing judgment upon the nation of Israel and Judah, he gave them drunks to lead the nation, to just take the nation down the toilet is what was happening in the Old Testament. That's what he does here. And in fact, it goes on to say, tomorrow will be as today and much more abundantly. In other words, tomorrow we'll just do this again and we'll have an even bigger party. Right? Now, chapter 57, verse 1, continues with this same thought about the leaders of the nation. Look what he says now. The righteous perish. The righteous perishes. And no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. He he says here, the righteous and merciful people are no longer leading the nation. The righteous are no longer leading the nation. Back in chapter three, you don't have to turn there. There, verse 1, the Lord says, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, he takes away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stock and the store, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. He takes away the mighty man and the man of war, the judge, the person who can judge rightly, and the prophet, the person who speaks for God in the nation, and the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the honorable man, the counselor and the skillful artisan and the expert enchanter. So he takes away all of these people from leading the nation of Israel and Judah. And then he says, instead, I will give children to be their princes and babies shall rule over them. So he's, he's going to remove the wise and the experienced and the statesman and the elder the honorable, the righteous, and he gives them children to rule the nation. I mean, people, have, you know, people that have no idea what they're doing. They're, they're totally underqualified for what they're doing. And here in chapter 57, he says here, you know, the righteous and the merciful have disappeared. And he says, and no one takes it to heart. No one wonders. Where are the godly leaders? What happened to the righteous leaders? Why don't we have merciful leaders? Why do we only have unrighteous leaders? No one stops to consider why do we have the leaders we have and we no longer have great leaders like we once had. I'm talking about Judah here. What was going on in that nation at that time? God removed the righteous from Judah. And again, it was part of his judgment against that nation. And one day God will remove the righteous from our nation And we shall enter into peace with the Lord and rest with the Lord, just as it says here. Now he says to the wicked, but come here, verse three, you sons of the sorcerers, you offspring of the adulterer and harlot. Whom do you ridicule against whom do you make a wide mouth and stick out the tongue? 
Are you not children of transgression, offspring of falsehood? The wicked ridiculed the righteous. They mocked the righteous. In verse 5, the, the Lord begins to describe Israel's idolatry at that time. Inflaming yourselves with gods under every green tree, slaying the children in the valleys under the clefts of the rock. Israel's idolatry here. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, Israel is described as the wife of God. We've talked about that recently. Israel was the wife of God. The marriage ceremony takes place at Mount Sinai. God gives the covenant to them. It's a marriage covenant. God becomes their husband. Israel becomes God's wife. But Israel was an unfaithful wife to Jehovah. Uh, In fact, Israel was unfaithful on the wedding day at Mount Sinai. They created a golden calf and began to worship this golden calf. And so Israel was unfaithful to God, and not just one time, but was unfaithful over and over to God, worshipped other gods. And that's what's described here. Under every green tree, they would have these groves where they would worship their idols, where they would commit this idolatry, slaying the children in the valleys. They would sacrifice their children to the god Molech. And there's evidence of that throughout all of Israel. They sacrificed their children up in the northern part of the country. Megiddo, the archaeologists have found an altar where they sacrificed children uh, and Gezer in the central part of the country. They have recovered the remains of infants at this place of worship. They sacrificed babies there. Uh, most of the remains of the babies are, are a month old or less. Even in Jerusalem, the Valley of Hinnom, uh, there were so many children sacrificed there that God called it the Valley of Slaughter. And so they, they slayed their children in the valleys. You know, and, th- and this is, you know, this is the, just how twisted idolatry is. That the pagan gods demand that you sacrifice your children to that God. To win his favor. But the true God, he sacrificed his son for us. See, the pagan gods, they take the truth and they twist it. Where now people are sacrificing their children to God when really it's God who sacrificed his child for us to redeem us from our sin. Verse 6 says, among the smooth stones of the stream is your portion. They, they are your lot. Even to them you have poured out a drink offering to these idols. You have offered a grain offering. Should I receive comfort in these? should, Should I be comfortable with the fact that you're offering offerings to other gods? And he's speaking to his wife here. I mean, you can imagine, you know, if you're married, if, you're, if your wife was spending a bunch of money on some lover that she has on the side, am I supposed to be okay with that? He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. 
We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.